Are you working? What kind of work do you do? It is the Midweek Podcast, and it is Charlie Bornoff, and it is Will Connerly. I'm excited, Charlie. Like, you've got a couple conferences that we're going to detail today. But right off the top, like, I think, obviously, we're going to start with the Big Ten and then work our way to the Big 12. But this is going to be a lot of fun today. I'm excited. I mean, we got a ton of teams to talk about, that's for sure. And I think best to start with the Big Ten. I mean, yeah, you, you, you start with the big, big 10. Overall, top to bottom, a much weaker league than the Big 12 and certainly some other conferences that we're going to get into. But really the first full-length midweek podcast show, I just want to preface this show of talking about the Big 10 and the Big 12 with one thing, and that is that when you talk about Power 5 in other sports, it may be line up more closely to postseason success but it's almost dumb to like but there's no other way to break it up but the non-power five teams are certainly great so it's like power five and maybe football is more prevalent but the non-power five teams are so good i know we're just going to be starting with these conferences and moving our way uh to the rest but you know what i'm saying charlie about the power yeah i mean i i totally agree though i mean Big Ten, great at football, great at basketball, not so much at baseball. doesn't mean there's not plenty of talent to talk about and talent that we could be wrong about that could turn a lot of heads this year. But certainly, like you said, Power Five does not mean as much or carry as much weight by just saying that as it does in other big-time sports. Exactly, and it's just it's just the fact of the matter that it's like, okay, should the Power Five teams get a big automatic bid to a bowl game like you ask in football? Like, it just doesn't work that way in baseball. Any given pitcher can go shove. And like you said, there are some good players to talk about in the Big Ten. And when we kind of overview and look at this conference first and foremost, is there something that you kind of look out for? I know that when at least we look at the top half of the conference, there certainly are – I would say four or five teams that are probably going to make uh, their way to at least compete uh, for a regional, I think. And at the top, let's start with Nebraska, because I think they have one of the best players in the league. And they're a team that probably is going to compete to win the Big Ten. Yeah, well, Nebraska, like they finished uh, 17th in the nation last year. They finished first in the conference. And they return a decent amount of guys, especially the big name, obviously, back is Max Anderson, freshman of the year last year. Third base DH. And he's probably going to ball out again and very good shot at winning player of the year this year for Big Ten. Yeah, I think he's one of the top draft prospects coming out of the Big Ten as well. And I mean, he plays on the left side of the infield, but as a freshman holding down the hot corner, I think is extremely difficult at any level, especially at a big high division one level um, in any regard. But getting the Big Ten freshman over the year, I think there's more expectations now for this Huskers team because of how good Max Anderson has been. And they have a pretty good left side, Bryce Matthews as well at shortstop. And I think, of course, after you hit 332 with seven home runs, uh, you're certainly going to know that the star power comes right on the left side of the infield for Nebraska. And 100%. And those are two great positions to have your stars be at, especially when they're both sophomores. So you know they'll be back next year. And like you were saying, I mean, not only did uh, Anderson hit 332 and um, hit seven homers, dude, he only struck out 26 times in 184 at bats. And he slugged like 500. So, dude, I mean, I, I don't expect him to slow down at all and probably be better than he was last year. And similar to Bryce Matthews as well. I mean, it's just impressive what those guys have done. Yeah, he they've both been pretty good. I know that Anderson, you, you look to see how he can progress. And I know that he, he was hitting 332 last year. I think it's an advantage that some of the players that were second-year freshmen last year that are third-year sophomores this year, that's not – specifically the case with a guy when you look at Max Anderson because he just jumped in right away as a true freshman last year and was the Big Ten freshman of the year and I think that that's where it basically starts Um, and at the division one level I mean he's a guy that's one of the top draft prospects and obviously when you can hit that well it's certainly good but as we continue to look at this team I think that the biggest thing is going to be the pitching I think if if you can 
at least it's 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 kind of open right now. You lose your Friday and your Saturday starters, and I think that picking that up early in the season, that's kind of when you can uh, pull out those kinks. And I think they were a big reason why Nebraska was able to have such a good record under Will Bolt. They went thirty-four and fourteen. I mean that you don't just do that if you don't have some formidable pitchers. So I think that you get do get some stars back in the lineup, but I think you've got to be able to look at how they can manage a pitching staff. And, of course, the catcher, Griffin Everett, is certainly going to play a big role in that. He is, he is. And going back to the pitching staff, um, like you said, they lost their Friday and Saturday. And the nice thing about this Nebraska that I wrote down as well is they have a nice blend of seniors and, like, older guys and unproven guys. And usually for a team that has to reload as much as Nebraska does, uh, I think they've done a good job. I think they got a transfer at, at a Grand Canyon, uh, Dawson McCarville, 6'3", 215, right-handed. Uh, McCarville had a 3.58 ERA last year, struck out 48, and he's got a really good sinker and a really good slider. And I think McCarville should probably fit in really nicely, probably on the weekend starting staff as well. Yeah, that that's certainly – I know you talk about we they did lose Friday and Saturday, but they do return their Sunday guy who likely might be their ace and Shane Shanneman. And I know that he's going to be a guy that they look to take a major step forward. And I think that that is kind of the theme with this Big Ten conference is I think that there's an opportunity for some of these teams to take steps forward. And I know when we look at this league as a whole and we look to see, okay, who can play well, who can throw the ball at a high level, we talk about Nebraska being a team that's going to compete to play in a regional. But also if we continue to move along, I think you could argue the top four teams in this league could all certainly go to regionals with Nebraska, Maryland, Michigan, and Iowa up front who, who, who compete at a pretty good level. And I know that we could continue to move on and talk about Maryland unless you had anything else about the Cornhuskers, Charlie. Uh, not a ton, but with your Santa Shanneman, all I got to say is his numbers don't like look great from last year at all. He has like a 5.08 ERA and he struck out 72, only walked 25, though. So I think those numbers don't really tell the full story. And Shane is probably going to be the ace this year. I look to see him be quite successful every Friday night. Yeah, it, when you step into a role like that, I think – I mean, he's projected to be the ace. I think that gives a guy more confidence when you can be put out there as a young starter, take some lumps, and then be able to take the next step forward. Okay, we have confidence in you. And I think that you see that with a lot of freshman pitchers. Even look at top-level draft prospect pitchers in the past who maybe didn't have a star freshman season. You know, they weren't the number one recruit. They weren't Kumar rocker or somebody like that just going nuts but they were able to get confidence even though they struggled they knew okay you're our guy we're gonna rock with you and if he can take a step forward I think this is a Nebraska team that certainly can look to run the table in the Big Ten but let's look a little bit at Maryland as well I think that I think they're a team that is gonna compete to be at the top of this conference and I think that a big reason why is going to be the back end of their bullpen I think that they have a really good pitching staff, and I know closer Sam Bello transferring to Rutgers certainly is a question mark there. But you've got Maryland, they, they head into the spring, and they have some pretty good stuff um, out there. Yeah, they do. Um, I was going to say, too, is that they hit really well last year. They led the Big Ten in home runs. They were second in slugging, second in on base. Their fifth in batting average, and I, they're just going to mash again. Like they have a bunch of dudes that can absolutely rake, and I don't see why they would not do that again. And I think it starts though on the mound with them. Probably a candidate to be the pitcher of the year in the Big Ten. That's Nick Dean. Yes, sir. Three one eighty right-handed pitcher. I know you kind of like a little bit of the stuff that he brings to the table. I mean, he made nine starts last year, had the best ERA among. Uh, Maryland starters was the fourth among all Big Ten starting pitchers, and I think he's a guy that really competes at, at the top of this rotation for Maryland. I totally agree. No, he's not Sean Burke, obviously, but I mean, Dean is going to attack you 88 90. He's got pretty good, he's got very good control of the zone. And any guy with a good change of cutter combo is a guy after my own heart. So I'm, always, I'm pro Nick Dean all the way, especially as he's one of those guys that's a 30 year sophomore. 
Maryland 28 and 16 one season ago, a team looking to compete for a regional. You got Nick Dean, you got Ryan Ramsey, another lefty on this team, a couple of pretty nice arms. Also, Bobby's Marslack, an outfielder on this team, who I think is going to play a huge role for this squad. And then I think when we talk about some of their younger players, right up there with Max Anderson, when we kind of look ahead to the 2023 draft class, Matt Shaw is a guy that looks pretty good at second base, Charlie. He does. He does. Shaw, I mean, dude, he hit 332 last year and slugged uh, 543 and he hit seven homers. And strikeout to walk ratio ain't terrible, 36-18. I'll take that. Shaw's got a pretty good glove as well. And I, if you get, if you have young guys that know how to hit, like that just makes the job a million times easier for everyone involved in the program. And like that's what Matthew Shaw does. He makes life easier for the Terrapins. And I think for them, they do have a handful of impact guys who are going to make impacts that are freshmen as well. Younger guys like Sean Lane coming in, looking to make some big impacts at the designated hitter position or a right-hander and Andrew Johnson. And I think even some other guys who, who, who can make some impacts like Belgrave, good righty, Savakul, another good right-handed pitcher. Those are some good prospects in the 2023 draft class when we can Continue to look ahead and, and I'm, I'm excited about this Maryville team or Maryland <laughs> team oh shit uh Charlie and I think that they're going to be they're going to be pretty good they're going to be pretty they should, also I think they have a sleeper transfer in Nick LaRusso from Villanova uh, he played third base for Villanova 6'2 215 only had 108 oh, 108 at bats last year but that's fine he's still at 300 and had where is it? Wasn't it? Oh, he's, and he also uh, had an on base of 380. So, I mean, you'll take that all day. He's an experienced player and should provide a little more stability to the Maryland team. Absolutely. And I think Rob Vaughn, the head coach, he's looking to see how he can continue to recruit. And I think he has a pretty good recruiting class right now. And they have some solid players. I think Zmarslak is a guy that really shows a lot of upside for this team. And I, and I like how you mentioned they hit the transfer portal. They got some yeah. good guys to come to their team. And that's what you do. You have to recruit. You have to reload. Yeah, there's no rebuilding if you want to be at the top of any league. And certainly they tried to reload in Maryland. Uh, definitely looks like uh, they could potentially be a team that is in that regional or even super regional conversation when we look toward the year's end. Absolutely. Also, uh, you're mentioning how the young's pitching and everything. Uh, they brought in Mike Morrison as their new pitching coach, and he's one of the rising stars in college as a coach that hopefully he'll he, – apparently he's been helping a lot as it is already in College Park. And then the last thing I got to say is about Ryan Ramsey. They're probably looking at – Left-handed reliever last year as a junior, but then he only threw 37 and two-thirds innings last year. They're looking to probably bring him on as a starter this year. And dude had a one-six-seven. And the thing that gets me excited and curious to see when you stretch it out over a starter's inning workload is dude had 43 Ks last year, only walked 12, and that is a that is fantastic. And every coach in the country will take that. Yeah, I, I I mean, I absolutely like looking at some of the top of the Big Ten because it is interesting to see what teams are projected to do well. And a lot of that stems on what type of pitching experience is coming back. But when we move along and we look at a Wolverine team, I think that they have one of the best players in the league. Personally, um, I, I definitely like the way that Michigan can play. Uh, Backage at the helm for them. They were 27 and 19 last year. So they, they put together a really strong campaign. And I think that they've got a couple guys back from last year's staff that I think can make an impact. And additionally, Charlie, they've got a lot of position players returning as well. So it's That's almost like one year progression for this team to move forward and to reload really, but also just another year Michigan's going to be competing for the top of the league because they've returned so much experience. I Yeah, totally. And the great the thing you always like to see when I, I'm writing notes for a team is they're bringing back a lot of arms and they already have a good amount of offensive talent as well. Like for example, uh, Curious to see, they're probably going to be moving a uh, relief pitcher Willie Weiss into Ruiz. Have, sorry, we have no idea how you say it, but um, they're probably going to bring him into a starting role, and he is nasty. He is nasty. He's 93-95 from the right side, and his slider sits about like 86-88 last time I saw anything about it, and that thing is a two-plane, just rip your heart out, kill you. 
Also, he also kind of like Ryan Ramsey last year, 27 uh, innings, 27 and a third innings pitched, 40 Ks to 13 walks. Like, you can stretch that out, man. That's a massive upgrade for Michigan. It really puts them in contention for the Big Ten. Yeah, and, I mean, do you like what Cam Weston can do on the mound? Seven and four, Charlie. 2.81 ERA. He led the conference in innings as well. I think this is a Big Ten pitcher of the year type of candidate and what the Wolverines have on the mound. I 1,000% agree. He's that he's clearly they're going to be their ace this year, dude. He went he had 69 strikeouts, nice. 29 walks, but also did he's 90-93 from the right side. Got a good slider as well. He was second team All Big Ten last year, but I think people need to watch out for. He's got a heavy splitter, and that's easily his best pitch. And I don't know how we've gotten through this part of the Michigan talk without mentioning one of my favorite players, and that's going to be Clark Elliott. I mean, he 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 really broke out this actually past summer. I got to see some of it in the Cape League. He was an all-star. He, he took home the league's batting title, hit 344 in the league, and he was already an all-conference player last year, along with Ted Burton coming back. I mean, they have six returning position players that had over 100 at-bats last season. So that is a lot of depth and experience coming back. Tito Flores, another guy who hit 325. And so a lot of guys who excelled last spring are uh, looking to come back and make a big impact. And that's why I think there's a lot of excitement around this Michigan team. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you kind of said everything we need to know about Clark Elliott. But another one that is really exciting to me is Jimmy Overtop, St. Louis's very own Westminster grad. At catch, this will be his first time taking over as the team's starting catcher. Uh, Overtop has crazy power. He hit 11 home runs last year as a, a sophomore. He had pretty respectable numbers. He had a 556 slug. We'll take that, 275 batting average. Now, if Overtop really wants to become an absolute dog, he's going to cut down the strikeouts. He had 59 strikeouts to, and uh, was 153 at-bats. It's not great, but the dude can slug, so if he can just cut, cut the uh, strikeout rate down, Overtop might just be an absolute menace. No, and that's what you're going to get with him, that good pop. And I know people – We saw him a lot too a couple exactly, years ago. Exactly, yeah, when we saw him, uh, what, playing in the Car Shield Collegiate League a couple yes, of years ago, yeah. And, and I think with this Wolverine team, when you have a guy that was really talented, took his talents there to go along with a lot of the other talent they have, I mean, it's not really a hot take to say that Michigan's going to be pretty good again because of the fact that they've been good. I mean, they finished yeah. second or third in the Big Ten each of the past four seasons, excluding that shortened COVID season. So, I mean, they, they look to uh, they look to get back to the regional, and I think that they're certainly going to be contending to get there. Let's move on up to Iowa, Charlie. I know right. this is always an interesting team to talk about, and I know a lot in the past they've been known to have some dominant arms and I think that when the focus of this team seems to actually be more of the infield I know they got a couple good righties as well but what do you project to see out of an Iowa team that went 26 and 18 one season ago oh I think Iowa's gonna be Iowa they're gonna put good pitching on the mound they're gonna hit pretty well and can be competitive I don't think they're necessarily gonna win the Big Ten this year but they can easily get into a regional without a doubt and especially an exciting freshman I'm really excited about, um, Marcus Morgan, who's what, I think it's D1 baseballs. Yeah, he's their number one impact freshman right away. And Morgan is right. He's, he's, I'm excited to watch him. I haven't obviously seen him play ever, but what I know of him, he's a right-hander at 90-92. His, uh, his RPMs are crazy for his fastball. It's 2,600 plus. And Morgan's probably going to step into a pretty big role right away, so I'm going to be tuning in for that as well as, as everybody else should be. So, yeah, I'm pretty excited about Marcus Morgan. I think also for this Iowa team, Adam Mazur is a guy that's going to be entering onto this team, a transfer, actually. And I think that it's somebody that you look to him and you think that he could be a big impact on the mound. I mean, he's a transfer righty. Also, Connor Schultz, another transfer righty. And they both – pitched a lot of innings at their respective schools and at, from South Dakota State for Mazur and Butler for Connor Schultz. So they get a little bit of experience added onto the staff. And I think the right side of the infield, you could say is one of the best in the league with Peyton Williams and Isa Fullard. I mean, they've got some pretty good stuff at first and second base at Iowa as well. Totally agree. Those are both the position players I wrote down for Iowa. About this, the right side of the infield, and 
Pollard finished on third team All Big Ten last year at second base, and I he walks pretty well, dude. He hit two ninety six. He's got some pop with the five home runs. I mean, I I like Isa. I think he's good. I don't have a whole. I don't have a lot to say about him. I also think that I mean, when you go into a season and we kind of do these previews, it's almost like you can just take a huge look at every single squad in the Big Ten. Then we'll move on to the Big Twelve. Give you some information. Take a cup of coffee and be able to just digest it. But I think that. The biggest part is whenever you go into a season and you take it and you say, okay, somebody was really successful last year and you lost that. I think that that is obviously always a question mark. Okay. Who did they lose? Who do they return? What's their outlook? And that's kind of what we're going through now. And I think it goes without saying losing the big 10 pitcher of the year in Trenton Wallace is certainly going to be hard to replace. And I don't think you can replace players like that, but they, I think still have some arms who can be effective for them in this rotation. Yeah, I totally agree. Like you're saying, uh, Mazur, like the dude's ERA isn't great with a 5.3 last year, South Dakota state. But like, if you look at some of the numbers and some of the video, the dude's got swing and miss stuff. Like, you don't like yes. you don't you don't fall into eighty eight strikeouts on six to eight innings pitched. No, he, also, he, he dude's he got has some throws. And he throws some gas too. He's it's, he's up to up to ninety five recently. I saw, and then he's got a nasty sinker that ninety ninety two. No, I'm I'm high on Nazar. I've seen his stuff. I've seen it live. I've seen it in video. I mean, it's not just that he throws 95. I think when when you put up the numbers that he did, when you may not have been impressed with the ERA, Iowa is really good at getting picking out pitching talent. They're kind of known for that, and I think that he's going to flourish with Iowa. I think though it's the fastball that it's not just he tops out at 95. He he regularly can get up there, and I wonder yeah. I wonder even how he's going to be utilized as well as the couple of freshman arms that they always get that are electric and they have a couple other two-way players that are going to be nice so I think that this is an Iowa team that you can get pretty excited about especially with some of the players that they return Braden Frazier going to be back in right field Tyler Snap at the designated hitter position I think that they've got some guys that can do well and with the pitching staff I think that they've got a couple defensive standouts as well uh, that can certainly help this team i think the outfield is impressive the infield's pretty impressive and overall they're another team that we talk about in that top four that probably are going to be pretty good again yeah and the nice thing for iowa too is i mean obviously things could go worse but like they i'm expecting basically it's more like they're already at their floor let's see what they can do more because they did lose some pieces but still returned a lot of the lineup and they have quite a few exciting arms that are new so. Yeah, the question for this team is how do those second-year and third-year players, guys who maybe got Big Ten honors last year, how does Fuller does Fuller progress to be, you know, not just an all-Big Ten second baseman, but can he maybe make a run to be an All-American? Like, you are looking for guys to take steps on this team to move forward and to see how they can – continue to progress and perform and I think that that is certainly why you see what Iowa can do I think that they can hit the ball they can throw the ball a little bit and that's why they're certainly going to be competitive when we move forward and of course we're kind of going down the line in terms of how these teams finished in last year's Big Ten standings, but also kind of the teams, at least first and foremost, you know, we started with Nebraska, then go down the line. Now let's move on to Indiana, a team that I think it's they got to watch out for because you don't really know what they fully can do, but they definitely got some interesting transfers that are going to make a big impact right away in the infield. Yeah, and they, they kind of need to make a big impact. They lost seven other nine starters and they need to replace basically the whole weekend staff. So Lots can be put on these guys to do so. And I think, talking about transfer, like you're saying, I think my first transfer on here is that Matthew Ellis, the Walter State uh, Juco transfer, catcher DH. Dude's also a unit. Six, he's a pretty big dude at 6'4", 235. Let's see what. He had 17 homers last year. Walk, and the Pierce thing I like, too. He not only mashed, he slugged 552 and got on base at a 408 clip, dude. He also had 10 more walks than strikeouts with 49 to 39. And so – that's it right there and there. That's Matthew Ellis. I expect someone to be actually a pretty big name and rattle some bats in the Big Ten. Now, I like that. I also like a Youngstown State transfer and Philip Glasser. 
Tyler Jones, the second baseman coming over from West Virginia. And I think that they also they they are able to get a couple guys come in and make an impact in the infield. But I think it's hard to ignore that all three of your weekend starters last year aren't just gone. They're all in pro ball. So it's like the yeah. starting rotation was good. <laughs> you had very to, good. Very you good. You guys to go to pro ball, but pro ball. Also, Will, I I think we're underselling like how good Indiana's staff was last year. Like they're they're first in ERA in the Big Ten at three point eight. They're first right. in batting average two hundred four. Third in home runs at thirty three, and then first in strikeouts. No, exactly. Like when you have three starters go on to play pro ball, that is like of that's what you consistently digest out of like Nashville oh what yeah. Vanderbilt will do I mean that that was a really good staff for Indiana and I think that you now want to see Jeff Mercer he did bring in some experienced transfers I know Jack Perkins from Louisville yeah. and Bradley Bremer from Wright State they're gonna provide a lot of assistance and I think that they also look to a guy like Ty Bothwell to compete and get on the mound because he can throw four different pitches for strikes and I think that's why they might look to him to be a guy who can maybe step up into one of those vacant roles from last year absolutely and so my Indiana is one of those teams where uh it's very boomer bust. Like I'm, I am like I'm, I'm kind of big on Indiana this year, but for, that it could easily blow up in my face in a heartbeat. Like I have no proof of any of this. But like we were saying with the transfers too. Like I mean, I'm I'm a big Bradley Bremer fan. He was second team All Horizon last year at Wright State. He's also just so tall and so skinny, bro. He's six six one ninety, but he still finished with a, he threw seventy six and two thirds last year. And he also one of my other favorite things: eighty five strikeouts, twenty five walks. The only critique I really have of him right now is. Nine home runs isn't great last year, but like you can live with that. And he's he's just filthy too. He's ninety ninety three. He's got a good split change. He's got a nasty two. Uh, he's got a two plane break slider. No doubt about it. I think that they also uh, Indiana High School Player of the Year committed to this team. We'll see if Carter Matheson, who hit 16 home runs last spring in high school, can maybe make an impact. And they got a couple other freshmen who can run it up to 95 on the bump. But I think that's kind of par for the course now for high-level arm talent. And, uh, well, you'll see how that team can perform. But, I mean, Hoosiers had six players come off the draft board last summer, and that's counting a 20-round draft. So they definitely have a a lot of talent historically, and that's why they entered the season last year as a contender. They were really in the hunt. If we look at it for most of the season last year, but they dropped seven of their final 10 games. I think if they had a better final stretch of the season, we would have been talking about them in a much different light, but it's hard to ignore all the guys that they lost. And so we'll, we'll see. I mean, we can all my sleepers. Yeah. Sleeper teams to the big time. And I think that they're a team that will be able to compete continually for a while as well. And I think that when we move on and talk about a Rutgers team, they were 21 and 23 last year, led by Steve Owens. But I think when we look at the Scarlet Knights, uh, they could patrol the outfield at a pretty high level. And I think that they've got some nice guys who can do some pretty good stuff in the outfield. And they got a three-year starter coming back in Richie Sheikoffer. He He's a pretty nice guy to rely on who hit 316 last year and he's starting to show some more pop as well yeah i'm rich is gonna ball once again i don't think we like i don't think i don't need to spend much time on him he's just gonna rake like he usually does i am excited about rutgers in the same way i am with indiana i think rutgers i don't think they're gonna like win the big 10 by any means but i do think they could possibly be the uh, most improved this could be the most improved team in the big 10 I know I like how I like Ryan Lasco as well. Lasso's I like good. my Mike Nizator and hit 351 last year. He just he I mean he's a guy when you look at his slash numbers like that's what you want at the top of your lineup and that's what he does gets on base and does some good te- things for that team and I think that Rutgers the, the biggest thing for this team is okay what are they going to look like when they tow the rubber and I think that 
they 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 got a very one of the more interesting arms that I want to watch this season in the Big Ten. And speaking of Big Ten, this guy, Charlie, a big body, six foot seven guy named Brian Fitzpatrick. I think that he's going to transition into a starting role this season. And when you watch him throw, if you look up the video, I mean, it's he's six seven, but some six seven guys don't really throw the ball like they're six seven. He does though. He, he, if, if it's kind of a low slot, so it's, he's sacrificing maybe an inch or two, but you can do that when yeah. you're six, seven and his fastball can really get up on hitters. And after going three and two last year, yeah. With a six eleven ERA, I think he's the guy who's going to step forward. And if, if this team is going to be the most improved, I think it starts with him setting the tone for them on the mound. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, he's not going to be the only one they have to um, lean on because, I have another sleeper opposite end of the spectrum, though. And Waller, grad transfer from Seton Hill, D2. Shout out to the D2 people out there. And he, let's see, 37 and two thirds, dude, 1.19 or 1.19 ERA. And Will, once again, 59 Ks to nine walks and one home run give up. So this dude does not give up the ball at all, Mr. Stopper. No, he is. And I think that they also have some experience as well. I mean, they've got a sixth-year senior that really is going to be one of their leaders, and Danny DiGregorio. Then Chris Brito held his own last year over at the hot corner, hitting 302 as a third-team all-conference performer. So they've got some of that nice experience. And then Evan Slight yep. is somebody else who, okay, he 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 was he's going to be able to hit the ground running, can maybe continue to progress after having a pretty good campaign coming over from Virginia last season so you got some guys that can make a lot of contributions but one other guy that i'm looking at on this staff dale stanovich is a really good he's a really good player out of the bullpen i mean had five saves last year uh saw he had a really good summer in the cape cod league he throws a low 90s fastball he has a good slider as well and i think the redshirt junior is going to compete to be one of the best relievers in the league this year Absolutely. I expect Dale to be like at least one of the top three relievers in the Big Ten this year. Dude's an absolute baller. And also, they got some other transfers. I know you start about it right away. I mean, I do. I'm I'm with you. Like, Nick Camillo, Samillo comes via Manhattan College, Charlie. He's he's going to be – he's going to do some good stuff. And I think that this is a Rutgers team. I, I think that when you look at the full body of work for this squad – They've got a mixture, you know, they, they've got a couple returners, they've got a couple freshmen, they've got a couple transfers. And when you want to be able to see how this group can gel, I mean, Coach Steve Owens, he, he's made strides with this program. So I think that when you talk about this team being one of the most improved, I think that that is really why we look at this team with a positive light because of what he did in his past coaching jobs at Bryant. And he led the Bulldogs of Bryant to four 40 win seasons. So he knows how to have success. And I think that we're certainly going to continue to look at them. Yeah. I mean, dude's a program builder. Like, for example, like you were saying, I mean, Rutgers just finished in eighth place last year, which isn't like great in the grand scheme, but that's really good considering that's the best the program's ever finished in the Big Ten. So they're clearly going the right direction. And I fully expect Rutgers to have a winning record this year for sure. Let's move on to the fighting Illini. Right. Dan Hartlab, 22 and 22 last season. And I think that one thing for this team is that one through six in their lineup, all going to be back. And I think when you look at their numbers and their box scores from last year, they've their offense isn't going to be the issue. Not, not worry about it at, at all. It's all about the staff can compete. Exactly. I mean, every single guy who contributed on offense is last is back from last year. Center fielder Tyler Jackson. You got Brandon Comia. You've got Kellen Sarver. You've got Jacob Campbell, Justin Janis, Ryan Hampy. I mean, those are all your top six hitters who are going to do well. But Charlie, they had a six four five ERA as a staff last year, and I think that is a huge concern. Um, and, and they did also lose two of their top starters to the draft last year. So that it just it seems like they have a big hill to climb and to make up some ground on the on the mound to to help out that really powerful offense. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you're not going to win a whole lot of baseball games with a 6.4 ERA. Like that's just not going to play anywhere. I don't care what like league you're playing in. 
and yeah, they're gonna have to replace Hoffman and Rapper, but uh, I think I don't know. You're not gonna say Cole's name, right? But Cole uh, Kirschisphere, I definitely butchered that, but that's okay. Sophomore left-handed pitcher, um, dude, he balled out. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I know he absolutely balled out in the Appalachian League this year. Last year, the numbers in the Big Ten aren't great by terms of ERA, but if, as we know, ERA does not tell the whole story at all, especially with a young pitcher like that. He had a 5.8 on 38 and two thirds, but Another guy, Will, I keep going back to it, 48 Ks, 13 walks. Yeah, Kirk Schisphere as a lefty, I think does pretty good job. I think he did pretty well with that name. We'll have to check out, uh, what, ESPN Plus and be able to get our dose of college baseball to see Absolutely. how they're getting it. But another guy, I think uh, when we look at Comia, he, he's had back-to-back good seasons. Yes. As a team starting shortstop, I think that's always so – undersold is like that's a leader that's an anchor for your team when you can have consistency at that position and justin janice i mean he hit so well in the big 10 last year he did the same i mean he led the big 10 in batting during the spring last year his on base she's on base percentage 514 that's ridiculous and then also he tore it up in the Northwoods League as well over the summer. So that's a guy that they look back. I think Jacob Campbell is also somebody who is someone that they probably expect to be a guy who can hold things down for them as well. And Kellen Sarver, I know that we like to talk about him. He had eight home runs last year, slugged 535. And so we kind of want to see what can they do on the mound. Alex Vera. Uh, uh, he's a lefty. It's not he's not going to overpower you, but they need effective guys out of the bullpen to do good things for them. And I think that if they can do better, if they can have more success, it's going to be a couple lefties on this team who can do well. And I think Riley Goins is also yeah. going to be a big part of what this team can do. Yeah, Goins. He's missed. He did miss all of 2019 and 2020, but. Dude, for his first uh, season last year of actually getting to play college ball, I mean, 58 Ks and 50 and a, thir- a third innings pitch is really good. And I'll especially take that, especially for my guy that's bouncing back after two injuries. I tip my hat to him for sure. Now, I will say too, but he does get the long ball. I hit 13 last year, but that could be a coincidence. It could also be something he needs to work on. We'll have to see on that one. Yeah, trying to keep the ball down and help out that big offense who's returning a lot of guys. They were not a very good staff and lost some of their top arms. But I think Tommy Green is also another guy who could be a top newcomer for them. He has good experience, spent two years at Mercer. Uh, um, after he had, he, he's kind of been a journeyman, was at Longwood and then Palm Beach State and Mercer now to the fighting Illini. And I think that this transfer, they looked to him to be able to provide some relief. And also they got Jack Weniger as well, a big 6'4", 215-pound right-handed transfer. And that's what you have to do. You have to go to the transfer portal when you don't have a good staff last year and you lose some guys. He was on the All-Ohio Valley Conference freshman team last year at Murray State, so he knows how to get outs at the collegiate level. Absolutely. And he started, what, 11 games, which that's I'll take that every – day of the week for a freshman i will say that indiana overall not indiana i'm sorry uh illinois like i said like we said before not worry about the bats i do like they have some promising arms but i'm not as sold on it as some people might be so we'll have to kind of see what happens with the illini this year i think they'll probably finish roughly around what they did last year which is like seventh yeah and i think that it's a program that can, I think, take the next step to compete in the top half of the league if they can pitch the ball effectively. But I know that within this program, especially if you're a big group of position players that return a lot, you're not really going to be satisfied with going 500. But that's really what they're projected to do just because of the fact that there's a lot of question marks, at least, of what they can do on the mound let's turn on to the ohio state buckeyes charlie and greg beals's squad who was 22 and 20 last year and they have uh, some nice strengths i think the best dudes dudes. part of this team was the fact that they have a guy who can slam the door shut tj brock we talk about pulling the door and slamming the hell out of the door nine saves last year i mean I, i talk about him for a second yeah, TJ Brock slams the door like a bad breakup. The dude can just throw absolute gas at triple digits. Let's see, his numbers are helps 
also he's throwing gas at like he's like my size, and that just makes me a little salty. But it just shows you how much better guys can be at a sport than somebody else. It's only six one two hundred. I guess the triple digits. He went. Let's see, twenty one two thirds, two point oh eight ERA, thirty three Ks to sixteen walks, no homers. I mean, he was thirteen big uh, all Big Ten last year. I think he can easily be a first teamer this year. No, and I I think. I mean, with his stuff, I think that's the type of stuff that gets me personally excited. Like, when you can scrape triple digits, cool. When you can throw a slider at a fastball speed, that's – I mean, his slider is upper 80s, and I know that that's kind of becoming the norm, at least in Major League Baseball for relievers. But at the Big Ten level, I think this is a guy that – you can kind of rely on to come in and slam the door shut for Ohio State. I mean, he's just a huge talent, and he's not the only guy who can let it eat out of the pen. Wyatt Longcar also gets up to 95 and has a good, you know, upper 70s curveball, breaking ball type pitch. So I think that that is certainly good. I, they did lose their entire rotation mm -hmm. after last year, so they definitely need some guys to step up. But I know that I'm excited about what they have, at least in the back end of that bullpen, which I think is one of the most important things in college baseball. I mean, can you win close games with shutdown relievers? And if Ohio State gets into that position, they certainly feel confident going into the late innings. Yeah, absolutely. It's just it's, the questions could be for this team this year is if, as long if the starting uh, pitching can get them deep into games, that's really all it's going to come down to because it's great to have a good bullpen. Like I think Ohio State will, but after a while, bullpen gets gassed pretty quickly if you use it too much. We've seen that goes that rings true basically all levels of baseball. No doubt. And I think that they also have one of the emerging stars in this league, one of the better prospects in Cade Kern, who, who is another, like Anderson, like we talked about at the top of this show, another impact true freshman last year. 325 he hit, nearly 400 on base, swiped nine bags, and he was a second-team all-conference honoree. And I think he's a guy that he is going to be the star that probably shines the brightest on the offensive end for Ohio State. Absolutely, and if me personally, if you have a if you have a premium center fielder or a shortstop or catcher, like just guys at the middle, that is always a massive advantage. And Cade Kern is just simply one of those guys, and you have him for another year. And I expect Kern and then um Dezeno, Dezenzo, my God, to both just be absolute battering rams for this top of the lineup. And when we go back to what we might question on this team, they lost their entire rotation to the draft, just like Indiana. And I think that Beals is now going to be looking to other guys, of course, to step up like we talked about. One of those guys certainly could be Griffin Smith, who he's an arm that he, he's been through a lot with this team. Um, Isaiah Coopit and Will Fenning also probably going to look at their three in the weekend rotation and I think that especially for Smith he was the Sunday starter in 1920 before shifting to the bullpen last year and that's why I think they want to set the tone with him on Friday nights yeah I, I think should for sure but uh I'm sorry I didn't interrupt you there but uh another uh like you said Copit Copit had a 15.06 uh k per nine last year Take that with a little bit of grain of salt. That was only over 17 and a third innings pitch, but striking out 29 batters and 17 and a third as a freshman. It's pretty eye-opening if you ask me. Exactly. And I know we've talked about Cade Kern, Zach DeZenzo, who hit 302, a big shortstop, but also – uh, it's a guy who who's a four-year starter at the shortstop position, played in the MLB Draft League last summer and impressed as well. And they also got um, another guy who hit seven home runs last year coming back, Mitchell Akluli, and he provides a good a good amount of power from the left side. Um, and also Ar Archer Brookman is going to be somebody who's going to share the catching duties with Brent Toadies. And I think that, that that's going to be interesting to see, you know, who's going to be able to come around and click for this team. Uh, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's kind of, it's, if you're not seeing a pattern now, a lot of the big 10 teams is, oh, they can hit decently well, but can their pitching hold up? And the Zens having a, you having a senior four year start at shortstop, it's such a nice luxury to have. And that's just going to be so helpful for Ohio state this year. And they're just, I think they're going to mash again. And also, Take us however you want it, but Beals has said that this is probably the best fall he's had in his whole coaching career, which is like 29 years. 
Yeah, not, I would take that. I mean, you because we've talked about their back end guys who can let it eat. Ethan Hammerberg, another guy who who's mm-hmm. in the back end of the pen who I think can take another step forward. Didn't pitch a ton he's last in, year. He's interesting though because he has a ton of ability, but like he threw five and two thirds. Like that's that's nothing really. I think those are some guys, though, when you look at their stuff and you look at what this Buckeye pitching staff has produced in the past with projectable talent, he's another guy in that in that kind of instance who can step in and kind of surprise some people this year. And also Drew Rickar, a, a Diceberg State transfer, I think he could he could play a lot of second base this year and potentially hit at the top of the order for this team. And they've got some other lefties who, who come in and can throw the ball extremely hard by Gavin Bruni. I think this is a Buckeye staff actually, who probably, if you look at the MPH could be one of the hardest throwing overall in the league. Absolutely. Everybody they have in the back end. Yeah. The Buckeyes are throwing beamers this year. That's for sure. Dude, they're, Got a lot of gas. That's absolutely for sure. I don't know if necessarily this is the year they really make a big – they make the big jump I mean, with the young talent. Like they could definitely do it next year. They could do it this year as well, but a little more confidence next year probably. Yeah, they, they uh, made a regional in three of the past five seasons. They, they've been consistent. They've been competitive. But I think when you turn over so much in the rotation, it's likely going to be a challenge. Mm-hmm. Let's look uh, to another team in the Purdue Boilermakers. They were 16 and 26 last year. Greg Goff at the helm. And let's let's kind of see what they can do at the Big Ten. I think it starts with where it starts in the game for them. The top of their orders is gonna look like it's gonna be pretty good uh once again with returning their one and two hitters from last year, who it really might be one of the best top of the orders in the whole league. Yeah, I totally agree with that, dude. Mike Bolton's an absolute stud. Uh where she's He's all Big Ten last year. He had a 452 on base, and we'll take a we'll take a perfect stolen base record with 17 for 17. And then Curtis Washington has wheels, my man. He had, yeah, he's a JUCO transfer, and he had 46 stolen bases. And that's just you can't teach that speed, especially it's going to be even more valuable on a college level compared to the MLB. So I mean, Washington could be an absolute tool for them this year, absolute weapon. Mike Bolton Jr. and Curtis Washington, if they can consistently produce and get on base, that's a nightmare for opposing pitching staffs to try to hold those runners on base who both can steal so many bags. 17 for Bolton Jr., 46 last year for Washington. I mean, that is going to be huge. But this is a team that has a ton of transfers. Washington, ton I, mean, of transfers. I, know he's, I know he's proven, but – He's going to be another one of these transfers. They got a lot of junior college guys. Okay, how do the, these guys now take the next step to the Division One level? That's the question for this team. Yeah, and uh, I wrote this down in my takeaways. They were just streaky last year, and if I had to guess, I think they're going to be streaky to start because, well, yeah, these JUCO guys are like juniors or sophomores. Uh, they still haven't played at this level yet, and uh, there's going to be some growing pain. So if you're a Purdue fan, you got to be patient, but – I'm personally, I think Purdue might be a second on my list for like highest mover. I still say Rutgers is my first. And then, but I think Purdue's just, they're interesting. It's just, there's so many transfers. And like the one that draws the attention most to me is Wyatt Wendell, the right hander out of Indiana, Indian Hills Community College. Last year in Juco, what he says, you going 65 innings pitched. ERA is not great at the 457, but strike, struck out 72 out of 65 innings, 24 walks. Dude's a really high spin guy. He's not going to blow you away with this fastball, 88-91. But if you know, if anybody knows anything, if you have high spin, you can place that where you need it to. We'll take that all day, every day. He's got a really good changeup and a really good curveball, which so a three-pitch guy that's got good command will take that too. And then also D1 Baseball loves him, which I love D1 Baseball, so I trust those guys. They have him ranked as the number 10, big, uh, 10 prospect right now. So big things out of Wyatt Wendell should be coming. No, Wendell's going to be nice, but I think also uh, Calvin Shapira, mm-hmm. Juco transfer from last year, he kind of took over as the team's ace about halfway through the season last year. Didn't have a great ERA, but he was able to show that he can compete on Friday nights against other some of the other league's best. And really, if you're going to be a consistent ace in the Big Ten, that, that really looks like you're going to be a guy who's going to ultimately move on to play professional baseball. But they've returned a lot of guys in their bullpen as well. And I think that you're going to see how, how they can uh, go. I know they did hit the transfer portal hard. You talk a lot about Wendell, but all Paul Totes, 
He led the Big Ten in doubles last year as a freshman at Indiana, so he's going to be a guy who steps into this lineup. And if he can be hit those doubles at a high level with the type of speed they have at the top of the order, I think that bodes well for a Boilermaker team. Absolutely. Totes can do what he, or Totes can do what he needs to do, which I thought threw me off they transferred. But I mean, that's a, him transferring to Purdue, especially in-state, is a massive win for that program. Yeah, Totes, if he, as long as he hits two, they're going to probably score a lot of runs early and often with that top of the order, dude. No doubt about it. I'm looking forward to seeing what Shapira can do at the top of this mound. I think that he's got to be the guy that sets the tone for Purdue. Friday nights, I think people don't realize, are so important to just dictate the rest of the series. And if you don't have a lot of consistency there, it's funny, kid, when you mean heads talk. I see Let's they want to dig Rob up the dirt, Cooper, son. Is it me? They are the Penn State team. They were 18 and 24 last year in 2021, but they've got some guys you could probably say have been pretty consistent for them, at least in the middle infield over the past couple of years with Matt Wood behind the plate and then Jay Harry at shortstop, Johnny Piacentio in center. So they kind of have that nice little middle uh, that are all returning and talented and experienced for this Nittany Lion team. They do. They do. I'm not. Yeah, with Wood, Harry, and Piacentio, or how you say it, uh, they're just, they're going to probably, they're going to do again what they did last year. They're just going to keep playing well. The, now, the biggest question is, and Wolves is not, can you imagine a third team that lost all three of their weekend rotation stars in Penn State and had to replace that once again? Yeah, I think that they did try to hit the transfer portal. Travis Loonsman, he could maybe get a starting spot. He's 90 to 93, 6'6. And he's a big guy. He's, Good he's interesting just because he's firm, though. He is firm, but like, it, I, like I, I'm excited to watch him because I, I don't know, I really don't know a whole lot about him. Like, he says someone's six six two thirty four and can sit low nineties. That intrigues me enough. It's just he doesn't have, like he hasn't doesn't have a lot of experience. So I'm very curious to see where he shakes out in this staff this year. Yeah, I think the three pitch mix might make him a starter, but For we sure. will see. We will see. I think that. When you do lose all three of your weekend starters, yeah, you look for the pitchers to step up. But I think that really is a big responsibility of what they have with Matt Wood behind the plate. I mean, he was a second team all Big Ten last year. They asked him to do a lot on the offensive end. But controlling and helping out a newer rotation and newer pitching staff, that's a big part of your starting catcher as well. And I think that Wood, who's really athletic, is going to try to be able to take a hold of this rotation as well. Yeah, absolutely. If there's one, like you're saying, like it, Will, you and I both know very well with playing with old Reggie Klusniak that having an experienced catcher who knows what he's doing just makes the world of difference for a, bull, for a pitching staff in their bullpen. And, Matt Wood's probably going to have to do a lot this year. So Matt Wood, I think he's just the X factor of this team as a whole this year. Yeah, I like how you mentioned that. I think that Mason Mellot, who had 68 appearances during his college career, 13 saves, which is fourth in program history, is a guy that they're certainly going to look to at the back end of the bullpen for Penn State. And he's a, he's a you know low 90s guy with a low 80 slider. And I think that with that athletic ability to be on the mound and have some pretty good K per nine numbers that have improved over the past couple of years. I think that Rob Cooper likes what he has at the back end of the pen. Absolutely. I mean, I'm not too worried about their bullpen as much. It's just the starting pitching once again. And then also I just want to, this is not like off topic, but I just want to bring up too. Uh, Johnny also did um, basically almost all of last year, he played with a broken hand and still put up the season. He did leading the team in homers, doubles and RBIs. I think that's crazy. Oh, yeah. I mean, so, that, that's unbelievable. Imagine what we can do with two hands. <laughs> I mean, imagine. I mean, it's almost like that performance that we got to see in the College World Series. Guy needing surgery, still hitting home runs left and right at Ole Miss. So I think that you be, you're you able to see that the Nittany Lions do return six position players. I mean, they were third in the Big Ten in hitting last year. They had 93 doubles as a team. And 
the pitching staff is unproven, but certainly has a good amount of talent to be able to see what they can do. And I think that they were a team that maybe we haven't talked about this enough. They were trying to still navigate the COVID-19 pandemic last year, and it meant less opportunities for this team to basically build chemistry, build confidence, and they got off to a really slow start. They were 4-10 and through their first 14 games in the first month of the season. They played 500 ball the rest of the way. Ninth in the conference was their highest finish since 2016. You wonder if they could have got off to a better start, what they would have been able to do in the Big Ten. Yeah, and like that's – I'm glad you mentioned it because I think in a couple of teams we'll see here sooner that uh, didn't do as well either. They just kind of got clapped by clo- uh, COVID. So, yeah, I agree that I think Penn State probably is – they're definitely better than 18 and 24. How much better they are, I don't know. I didn't watch a ton of Penn State last uh, Penn State last year, so I'm eager to watch them for sure this year. Watching all the college baseball again. The season going to be starting on February 18th for the Division One level. You're listening to this now. You're going to have actually D1 baseball already pl- or D2 baseball already have. It's first game played yesterday, February 1st. And NAI so was last year. If you're year. listening to this now on Wednesday. So that that's a – yeah, pretty – some some teams uh, watching a little, uh, playing a little bit earlier. But let's move on to John Anderson's team and a little bit about what Minnesota can do. Not very impressive of what they did last year. They are 6-31. and 31, But – all nine of their starters, um, they all have starting experience in the order, and they return there both Friday and Saturday starters. So can this team make uh, a next step forward? They have 22 newcomers on the roster between first-year players and transfers. Um, but I think you you have a big concern for a staff that had an above-8 ERA last year. They just struggled to find any consistency on the mound. Yeah, to, to put it plainly, the Minnesota just sucked. They're terrible last They're so bad. And these were one of the teams that really got slammed by COVID. So if I'm not mistaken, I think the university had a lot more strict their um, guidelines than some other schools. That definitely didn't hurt. And I don't have a whole lot to say about Minnesota. And like, I think they'll be a, they'll be better. I still have them finishing bottom bottom three in the uh, conference. I just they do have players back. They have a lot of new guys, but the return of players too don't really strike a ton of confidence in me. They're a little unproven, so they can very easily prove me wrong. I just as of right now, I'm not not high on Minnesota whatsoever. Yeah, Ronnie Sweeney had nine home runs for them last year. You've got Bertrand, also somebody who can hit pretty well, has a career above 500 slugging percentage and over 100 career games played. I think that they've got some nice transfers, a uh, transfer from Iowa and Will Semb, Richie Holtz from Omaha, and Eden Maldonado from Illinois. Those are some like pretty good arms that have transferred, but I think that you're going to see this program take – they took a big step back last year, and I think that you're going to see a team this year – that I'm not saying they're going to completely turn it around and compete in this league. They're not going to be worse. We, 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 yeah, we've got to realize that that was the worst season in program history last year. Yeah. And it, it kind of just – it's a snowball effect. When you don't have good success to start and you continue to move forward and then lose a lot of guys getting out of that program – I think that you definitely need some guys to bounce back this season, and I think that they will. I just don't know if you can expect them to compete at the top of this league, but I do not think they will be that disappointing again this season. Six and 31 was a pretty rough mark for that team. I mean, there's this, if this isn't the floor, I don't, shit, I would transfer power them. Six and thirty-one better be their worst season ever. But uh, I do have one player I'm interested in, though, Will, and that is good old Sam Ireland, the junior, the six-four-two-ten, uh, two-way, and he's probably he might be the Friday starter this year. Now I'm gonna read off his stats. They're not impressive at all. They're especially the batting are pretty bad right now. But like the dude has he's a lot of ability. Minnesota's high on him, and I mean, like we said before, COVID affected it, so you got to factor that into a little bit. So he went 66 ABs, 212 batting average, 257 on base, 273 slug, no homers, 22 Ks, four walks. Pitching, the pitching is much better though. It's 37 and a third, 
with a 4.1 ERA, 35 Ks to 16 and seven homers. So like, I kind of like Ireland. He needs to obviously hit way better than he did previously, but I think he's I, I, much like Minnesota's record. I don't think Sam Ireland's a 212 hitter. Yeah, and I also think like Brett Bateman is another guy who had a pretty good freshman season, and I think that he can continue to do a little better maybe in the 2022 season. And he's also re- recovering from Tommy John. I know a guy that they've wanted to see on the mound, so maybe he could be used in a two-way capacity. I know that teams always proceed with caution when two-way guys come off of Tommy John. But I think that this is a group that you're going to be able to see um, how driven they are to uh, turn it around and move forward. And that's what we continue to do here, breaking down all the Big Ten teams. Northwestern, what about Josh Reynolds' squad? It was 15-21 and 21 last year. But there's a lot to like with this team because when you go watch them, they can drop some bombs. I think they've got some pretty good talent in terms of guys hitting the long ball on this squad. They were second in the Big Ten last year, 66 home runs. Yeah, and they're also first in slugging with 478. Like, yes, like you're saying – the dudes can rake, and that I think one of the first guys that comes to mind is Anthony Calaracco. Dude hit 11 jacks last year and slugged 564. First base. He's also – I love a guy that plays both corners, so first base, third base. I'm excited to see what he does more. Also didn't strike out a ton with 23 uh, strikeouts over 116 at-bats. So we'll see. Hopefully – I think he might take another, take another step forward this year. And they also have some consistency in terms of they've got their ace back in Mike Doherty also returns to this squad 120 innings in college right now, a 2.86 career ERA. So it's nice to have that at your ace position. But they did lose their starting center fielder, shortstop, and catcher from last year. So those are all three big positions that you kind of look to see what they can do. But, I mean, second in the Big Ten in home runs, like you mentioned, they're right up there and slugging toward the top at the top of the league. And it probably would have been first in home runs if they didn't lose eight games to Mm COVID-19 last year as well. So it's a team that certainly can hit, but they lost some of those big bats. But when we look on the mound, I think uh, that Ben Grabble, he's a guy who can pump mid-90s. Hit 97 too. He'll he'll probably – I mean, they reports had him up to 97, 98 in the fall. Uh, Charlie, yes. he's he's going to be the team's closer, and maybe just like Ohio State, you got some confidence at the back end of this bullpen. Actually, I'm really high on Ben. I'm excited to see him more. Um, dude's got some really good strikeout stuff, striking 24 out and 17 and two thirds. He will have to chop that walker that those walks down because he did walk 12 in that same amount of innings, and that doesn't play a whole lot. But I think he will probably. I think he's going to. I'm excited for Ben this year. I think he's probably going to be very good and should be very good. I'd be surprised if he wasn't. I think the culture of this team is what I look for the most this year. Josh Reynolds opens year one as the leader for this team. And I think that they were an intriguing team last year when you look at their offensive numbers. And really, they were competing um, for about half the season last year. But COVID-19 really just derailed their season i'm not saying it it derailed their season literally like it did maybe for an nc state but it it, it, it messed up it messed up their season a little bit and so i think that when you got a guy like reynolds who really has a big background in pitching i think that gives a guy like mike doherty makes him to maybe be even better and he could potentially compete to be one of the better starting pitchers in the big 10 i mean he helped k-state turn around their staff and he's looking to do the same with northwestern so i'm looking forward to see what they can do on the mound they certainly have no question of who's going to be throwing on friday nights for them so that certainly is great 1000 percent. i think Reynolds is an exceptional pitching coach and I don't. This year is not Northwestern's year. I also think they'll finish towards the bottom again, possibly. But prior days are definitely ahead for the Northwestern Wildcats, and that's all you can really look forward to right now. I know the Big Ten, we all American teams were released, and they didn't have one preseason All American. They're a team that, when you look at some of the other leagues, like the SEC, having three guys on the first team from one team, it's just a little less star power, but still some really good pro talent across this league. And we look at what Jake Boss Jr. has as we move on to the Michigan State Spartans. 
They've got some strengths on this team. They were 17 and 27 last year. And I know that every single team we've said, okay, you have some strengths, you have some weaknesses, some teams more than others. But Mitch Jeb, I think, is where everything starts for this team. Hit 276 last year. And I think that they kind of look to see what he can do. He, he's kind of a contact hitter, and he's a guy who can try to be able to make some noise in this Spartan lineup. Yeah, I mean, I, I like Mitch Jeb for sure. I think he's a really solid player. I think him and Trent Farquhar are definitely one of the bigger strengths for Michigan State at second and shortstop right there. And uh, Michigan State's they're just not—they're not very exciting to me. But they do have like Mitch Jeb is just a really solid player. He's a guy I think most coaches would love to have on their baseball team. I don't know how much of a big-time draft prospect he'll end up being, but he's a really good player. And he had pretty good numbers for a freshman, so I think he'll probably do better. Hopefully, as a sophomore. Another guy I think that could be good, 6'7", 260-righty. I know you know who I'm about to say. A two-sport standout, Adam Berghorst. He had six games that he started on the bump last year, walked way too many guys. Way too many. But if he can kind of control, get some control issues out, I think he's a guy that he's an interesting guy on this mound for Michigan State. Yeah, if he has the stuff that he just – you can't walk 22 guys in 27 innings. If, as long as he can cut that down, he'll be a really effective uh, pitching piece for them this year. Also, Zade Walker, he kind of moved a little forward and progressed last year, hit 308, led the team with 31 RBIs, was third-team all-conference last year. And I think that when we look at – what is going to be the identity of this team? There are some question marks. There are some guys that you may not know who are going to do things. But one guy that does everything for this team is Zach Iverson. 500 career plate appearances and 22 appearances out of the pen during his collegiate career. I mean, East Lansing certainly has a great two-way player in him, and he's a veteran to say the least. Absolutely. Iverson, Iverson is going to be Iverson. He's going to play really well for them. Um, not too, I don't, I'm not too worried. But I don't really worry about the guys that have that much experience because you kind of already know what the player they are. Same thing with Zach Iverson. <clears throat> uh, this is same with like I was saying with Northwestern Minnesota. Once again, Michigan State. Prior days are ahead, and I think that probably starts with Jack Frank, who is their was the number ninety nationally ranked player by Prep Baseball Report back in 2019. He missed last. He missed part of last year with an injury to his shoulder, but he ended up slashing 266, 347, 313 when he got back. Yeah. So they, hopefully they, he'll help out a lot. Exactly. I, I know I'm with you there. That's a guy that I think you got to touch on just because you look at he's healthy and he has some pop and this team needs pop because they only hit 21 home runs last year. I think maybe a transfer from Wake Forest and Parker Pillat could do good as well. Absolutely. He might compete for that third base job with Farquhar and Jeb up in the middle. You, you, you feel pretty good about the infield, but there's question marks on this team because they've got 14 new faces. You got some guys who do return from last year, but they're looking to win. You know, that that's what they're looking to do when they move forward. Jake Boss Jr. and the Michigan State Spartans, they're in search of their first winning season since 2017. And I know that they were competitive to start the year. They had some impressive series victories over Maryland. And then they kind of just hit a cold stretch. They dropped 12 of 13 games after starting the year one game over 500. And it was just ultimately – put them at 11th in the Big Ten overall. So we'll see how the seven transfers can do for this team and see what, what this team can bring. I, I'm with you there. It's not a ton to dissect with that squad, but I think that overall we certainly did a whole great dissection of the Big Ten here in this program, and I'm certainly uh, excited to see how all these teams will pan out and who's ultimately going to be at the top toward the end of the year. Absolutely, absolutely. I think I still probably have Nebraska. I, yeah, if I had to pick my top three, I'd go probably Nebraska. Yeah, it's boring. Nebraska, Maryland, Michigan. Those are probably, those are my top three for sure. I might go Nebraska, Michigan. Oh, and then it's Iowa and Maryland right there for four. But I know you're high on a Rutgers team. I'm I also, like Rutgers. Rutgers can sneak up there, but – I want to see Ohio State have success this year. Um, 
after being just a few games above 500 last year. But my favorite players, at least that I want to watch this year, are Clark Elliott and, of course, Max Anderson. I think that those are my two that I'm looking forward to the most. And it's hard to admit Maryland because of what they have with yeah, Nick Dean on the mound. I think he's going to he's just going to do great stuff, but it's hard to sleep on an Iowa team as well because they just have electric stuff on their pitching staff as well. So that really will wrap it up for the day. Jake, shake me down. Haters want to take me down. Break me down. Clap. All they heard was a sound. Yo, I scoped it out. I took your weak dream and choked it out. Your bitch don't really.